It, there was a, a phrase, it was like, uh, 50 hours of gameplay is a threat rather than a promise. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. This is Soren Johnson, and you are listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Today, we are talking to Liz Ryerson, an independent game developer, musician, and critic. Liz is probably best known for experimental games like Problematic Attic, essays exploring games and culture, and her podcast, Beyond the Filter. Liz is interviewed by independent game developer Adam Saltzman. Be a little bit about your background and the kinds of projects that you've worked on, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, um, so my name is Liz Ryerson. Um, I uh, guess game designer, uh, musician, artist, uh, writer, um, and um, I guess I've, I've worked on a few games, not actually tons, but um, one game called uh, Problem Attic, which was um, kind of a hard to explain kind of like a personal game and some people have very conflicting opinions about it which I guess is a good thing um, I have done sound design for games um, I did the music for like Dysphoria and um, one of Anna's other games um, Crypt Worlds um, and uh, Mirror Moon EP which is like I just did a few tracks for that um, and I, I made a lot of art with uh, this program called Become a Great Artist. That's actually in the IGF this year. Um, yeah, and I, I was actually on the Nuovo Jury, so it was kind of weird. I like I <laughs> like, I'm really fond of this particular. Well, I didn't vote for it. Like oh, okay, I made a big yeah. deal about not voting for it, but I don't know. That's that was, kind of all you can do in that situation. Yeah, I think I made a big deal about not voting for it. I said other people should vote for it, and like one other person didn't vote for it because you know because of being too close to the. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, I made a lot of art with that. I'm selling prints at the the Wild Rumpus party, um, uh, which is on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday night. Yep. Yeah, which I'm not okay. actually going to because I didn't buy tickets for. I suppose I could get on the guest list. <laughs> um, it was just it's just usually super crowded. It is pretty crowded. I hope my f- I. I definitely have a favorite piece you've made in Become a Great Artist, and I don't know if it's going to be there or not. Oh, yeah. There's so many. Um, So I also have this zine uh, that I made of my talk at Indicate East that I talked at like a couple of weeks ago. It's called The 21st Century Digital Art Manifesto. And I was just talking about uh, like issues with kind of making and disseminating, you know, what I refer to as digital art, which does include games, but as the the cover says, death to video game exceptionalism. Um, Of course, like, I I don't know. I I feel mixed about it. Like, I I just submitted a talk to um, um, the Allied Media Conference, which is in Detroit, um, and it's not a game conference, and, like, that talk was about how, like, interacting with systems online are essentially games, like, the way... And, like, having an understanding Twitter's of systems. Twitter's my, like, game of the decade. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely within those parameters. Like, I think it's yeah. unquestionably, like, close... Probably most closely structured to an MMO, maybe? Something kind of, like yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I found the right strategy for Twitter. It, no, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It might be a fail upward kind of a system. Yeah, but. yeah, but. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a talk about that, and I think it's like really important, kind of, to people outside of games, how important like system and game literacy is. But then, in the context of like game conferences, I feel like we've been talking about that a lot. And I feel like there's kind of an echo chamber, but not like a lot of people kind of reaching outside of and really making a case for why it's valuable. And hmm. I think the the culture around games has a lot to do with that. There's a, the image of you know of AAA games or whatever being the image that most people recognize or associate with games um, or it's game culture. Not necessarily one that fosters the idea of beneficial systemic literacy. Yeah, and it's also like not only it's not only the subject matter, but it's also that the games are actually like. We talk about like accessibility and, and polish or whatever, but those games are totally inaccessible for people yeah. who like you know have never played games. They're accessible for a particular kind of person who plays like first person shooters. Yeah, someone or, who has a, a background understands the language, the basic language that you interface. Yeah, use to interface with the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, when people talk about accessibility or when we talk about accessibility and inaccessibility, that is something that is very kind of dependent on who is coming into it. And I think there's a kind of assumption culturally from people who come inside the game industry about, like, you know, what um, accessibility means. And um, I think um, it's really important for it to be broader than ever um but like so that so the um the digital art manifesto that i ta talked at at indicade was essentially like ostensibly not about video games but just about like I, th I think it is in the larger picture um but i wanted to to frame it kind of as being out uh, outside of it because the 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 barriers between like all forms of media have kind of broken down like it's it's kind of easy to do lots of different things online on a computer, and a lot of people who are um, able to access those tools now are people who are maybe not able to access it. But it's also very limited by channel, you know, exi what existing channels are there, and like what sort of community that exists around certain kinds of things. And I think that I talk about in this talk how that like these systems kind of reflect. Um, uh, you know, values of like capitalism and and things like that, which um, ultimately are favoring um, works that are going to you know result in some money coming in, if not directly, then indirectly. Yeah. Um, and that does not favor um, things that are intentionally made to be more challenging. And and then I was saying on the flip side, there are like you know. The, the kind of like art world kind of community or academic community, which does try to foster these things, but often uh, in a really kind of um, like talking down to it, talking down to the form and like not being very respectful, not really um, being sincere about, you know, embracing it in a way that is really and uh, is really, you know, accessible to, to a lot of people. And it's also very, um, a lot of it is very, like, classist and, and racist in a, in a lot of ways just because 
um, that's reflective of the larger values of those like institutions. Um, and it's it's hard to generalize. Obviously, like I just went to New York and um, I talked at um, someone's someone that I know. Uh, his name is Ben Norskov. I talked at his class at Parsons. And, like, you know, I walked around the building at Parsons, and there was a very diverse, like, racially and gender-wise group of people there. And I feel like I saw that also um, uh, at Indicate East, and I don't really feel like I see that at, like, GDC or events in the Bay Area or even Indicate West. So I think that, like, um, and I know that there are a lot of kind of academic institutions in uh, that have more of an influence in New York, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a... a, a- I think it would be okay to generalize it as a more academic scene. Like yeah. people there who are not solely dedicated to academics are still participating in academics there. Yeah. Like that's a, that's definitely a through line. Actually, um, I wanted to ask you about, um, uh, there was something you talked about earlier. I'm going to like wrap back around and then get back to that's where fine. you are now. <laughs> um, uh, earlier you were talking about the, uh, these kind of accessibility problems yeah. and there was, um, uh, Frank Lance, who's a New York academic, or recently wrote a. Not, I don't know if it's a fully controversial essay. Is it or the not, formalism but, thing? Yeah, yeah. but uh, he was um, it, kind of poking at the idea that the things that we consider to be, um, or the things that are, I think, considered within the industry to be the accessible mainstream games, these like roller coaster games, basically, um, not as a talk down to them, but that's like part yeah. of the experience is you kind of like strap in and you go for this fun ride, yeah. um, which is great. People need that. Uh, some people need that. Right. Um, yeah. And they're talking about how that's like, um, there are better roller coasters than others, by the way. Like I really oh, yes. like resident evil four. That game is like a roller that's coaster. That's such a good roller coaster. Right. Yeah. And I would rather play that roller coaster than like a lot yeah. of get what actually and there's comes a new, out. the guys, um, these crazy Swedish guys that made, uh, the Riddick game way back oh. in the day. They're the ones who went on to make that Wolfenstein game this year. Oh yeah. Which is a I've, I've heard pretty that good a roller good, coaster. Yeah. I've heard that that's a pretty um, good game. And ironically, the lead designer of resident evil four, his new game just came out. Yeah. It's really bad roller coaster oh no <laughs> so yeah there's definitely some like uh there's variation there that matters right but um he was it seemed like he was poking at the idea of you know these these things that are built up as like the most recognizable uh things are um n- not uh kind of like you're saying like they're not about the things that we think are uh, the most interesting yeah. things that games do. Yeah. So these ideas of like systems literacy or yeah. um, you know interacting with things and having them push back and having weird things happen yeah. because of that. Those are um, if those are our core values. Those are not really represented in most of those games. Yeah. Um, and I think, at least not foregrounded. They're not like yeah. you know I'm going to play this game because yeah, I get exactly. to interact with the system and have it push back and have weird things happen. I mean, there, the, to some extent, there's like you know, like like civilization or something like that. But there's kind of an expected format of those games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and oftentimes they're designed for a specific you know yeah we like, get simulation genre setup. yeah if it's a simulation game if it's sim city or civilization and there's an assumption of there's like this a weird kind of and civilization like, is huge like civilization yeah. is arguably way more mainstream than a call of duty or something yeah. like that the thing is like with that is it does reflect kind of um, like you win in those games by conquering everything. Like yeah. there, there isn't a, accounted for like 
the Civ Four lead designer was talking about this, which is funny because he's the game he's making now is a v- overtly capitalist game, <laughs> and it's like it's in the title and everything even. Um, uh, but he was the Civ Four lead designer, and he talks a lot about. Um, like weird clashes with that because he was yeah. like a student of history and yeah. went in worked on Civ three and was like okay I'm gonna bring in all of this um, nuance to Civ four and yeah. a lot of it got kind of stripped away yeah. as it like moved forward and became a Civ game yeah well there's the the form that people expect and it, it and I think it's and it's considered it, the best Civ game but he has he still has these dissatisfactions yeah with like. Well, there's the there's the game is like, I mean, I, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. Is like there's there are games that like um, that kind of fail to meet whatever design goals that they have, and that's like one level. And then there are games that successfully meet those design goals, but like they're kind of reflective of uh, like they don't really think about like what values they're kind of communicating, or they're um, reflective. Or, or they're not really saying anything at all, and that's like a what a lot of that's like the the height of what a lot of people aspire to. Yeah, and then there are a lot, of, and then there are games because that's hard to do. Yeah, in, in exactly. Itself. Like, all right, if I can just get that far, that'll be okay. Yeah, but and then but, there's a high, even higher level of games that do that successfully, or like have successful design that's integrated and is also communicating something. Um, through the through the the way that you interact with the systems in the game, and that's most people don't even try to shoot for that. They don't even think about it, and I think that's what we should be aiming for. Like, I think that that's like, and, and I'm not saying that every game has to be that, but even like, yeah, even like sports games or like simulation games, or I mean, I mean, simulation games more apparently, but even like sports games or first person shooters or something like that. Uh, you can have nuance in there, and and you can think about the way that the player sort of interacts with the system in the game, and it's it's really very open. But we we think of it as being closed just because the, these like formats have been yeah. so established. And it's hard. There's a whole lot of things that um, uh, this is something that I used to do more when I was uh, able to devote more. Uh, before being a parent, being able to <laughs> devote more time to non-commercial endeavors, yeah. um, there's this... Um, I think it's really hard to make people uncomfortable in a game outside of a certain space. Yeah. So there's sort of like jump scare games. Yeah. And there's this expectation, like, you're going to go in, you're going to be yeah. uncomfortable, that's going to be a thing that's we're going to do, that's our activity. Yeah. But um, most of the time, like... Uh, um, you know, we were so um, tiniest tangent I can manage. We were designing the user interface for our com- our current commercial game project, and one of the uh, uh, feelings that we want people to have while they're playing the game is a uh, a sense of fragility or discomfort. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of early versions of the user interface that were. Um, fragile and uncomfortable, <laughs> and they definitely evoked that feeling. But and it, we had to like sit down and have this talk where it's like, is it okay to do that? Like, yeah. or is that not going to like people aren't going to experience it that way? They're going to experience it as like a layer of frustration that's outside of the experience, or it's just yeah. so far outside of what they expect that it's not okay. And so now we have a game where we want people to feel uncomfortable, but we have this really slick UI. Yeah. 
And so do we, sh- do we shift that off? Are we trying to make the UI now invisible? I, th- I think it's like... It, it it matters like how, what kind of game it is like I like I I don't have an easy answer like the game that I made made people tremendously uncomfortable and a lot of people didn't like it a lot of my friends can't play into it very far and you know they didn't like it in the IGF so so that, that's like if you want like social recognition for that it's probably or you know you want to like I don't know you want people lots of people to play it that's probably not the kind of game that you want to make um, I think that like you can sort of integrate, like if you have a slick UI or something, you could sort of integrate that into the fiction of the game and have it work. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then you could do like little things to challenge that. I think it's, I think it's definitely important if nothing else to like establish some sort of rules at the beginning. And that's the thing that, you know, I'd like to get better at doing, um, kind of establishing a rules or a form yeah. for a while and then messing with them. And I, like I did that a little bit in my game, but it was very, it's very abstract from the beginning. So like, if you're not like kind of open to that experience already, then you're not going to. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, that's definitely like territory that I like to get into more. Um, I think that like, um, or there are games that kind of like play off of familiarity of something and like you can be like really weird based off of that. Like I was thinking of like the Bubsy 3D game, like the Yeah, yeah. Bubsy 3D and the James Terrell yeah. and exhibition. That, like everyone understands the context for that and so therefore like they can do like really bizarre things with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I don't know. And even then there's almost a risk. Like I never made it to the museum. Oh really? The camera was so bad, and the jump oh. controls are so bad, which is like all of the f- the fun of it. But like, <laughs> I couldn't make it there. Like, I couldn't. Like, I was not able to execute well, you the required. Out. I know. I, I yeah. I, it's it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you're someone who messes with that a lot, I can see being receptive or being that being difficult to deal with. I think like I was expecting very broken because it's Bubsy. Yeah, no, and I, I was loving it, but I was just like, just go over to the go. Oh crap! I actually have to restart. <laughs> like, oh no. Yeah, that game is. <laughs> um, but I, I think like I, I'm actually really interested in that too, like fan games and things that are kind of uh, reappropriating um, culture in interesting ways and just kind of taking like sampling um yeah and i think that like um i think i think it would be cool to do more things like that bubsy 3d game that are kind of like more artistically ambitious but kind of go off of that familiarity um and um yeah i don't know but like what i was saying about like i think you can present things in a way that where there's a kind of establish a literacy and then and then do something um, and mm-hmm. that's very challenging to do, and you have to build a system that you know that you're going to subvert. Yeah. Um, so you and bring can't... people along in hopefully the right way, so enough people like make that jump. Yeah. And I think I think like I don't think the audience audiences are given enough credit. Like I do think you have to set people up in a way, and and you know that's something like I said I'd like to get yeah. a lot better at. But like I think, yeah, I think they'll do it. Like they will jump off a cliff with you, but you have to like. 
psych them up a little bit. Yeah, and like a, a lot of AAA games that have tried to do it have, they're like, oh, oh, people aren't going to get it. Like, we better like yell this in the exposition yeah. and like do all these other things and like explain to you the story. And it's like, no, you don't actually have to do that. Like, people will come along for you for the ride, especially yeah. if you've like established this world. And then yeah. that, when, if if they're fully immersed in the world, like, the more that you get immersed into something, which is why I, like, think I like experiences that are a little bit longer, like, the more that you get fully immersed into something, the more sensitive you are to any changes in the environment that happen. Yeah. Um, and so, like, even if it's, like, subtle things, you can actually do that. And I know that, like, people are very worried about doing that, like, you know, starting out kind of doing that kind of stuff. But, like, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, openness there to doing the very subtle things. Um, because, like, whether or not people notice it, like, and you know, they, they know what is already supposed to be there or whatever, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, you've kind of laid some ground rules, and then it, tiny changes to those rules later, is if those rules are familiar enough, yeah. will stick out in a really dramatic way, where if they're sticking out right away, mm. maybe... I mean, maybe they can be there early, and they just don't yeah. know any better, but... Yeah, I think, like, I don't know. I mean, like, some of my favorite games just start out weird from the very beginning, you <laughs> yeah. know? And, like, so... I think, like, um, and, you know, uh, like, Silent Hill, those games are very weird, like, and people yeah. people can uh, approach it. I think people are more easy, easily able to accept something if it's, like, under the guise of, like, horror than, yeah. um, and actually I'm talking about that at my talk in a couple of days. It's of, a weirdly permissive genre where a lot of things that are just profoundly not okay yeah. in any other setting are totally green light, go yeah. ahead. I think that's the thing in like early uh, film history too, is that there yeah. are like experimental things done in yeah. horror films. Yeah, lots of horror films were doing lots of weird. Uh, I know that was always that was always like boundary breaking. Like, oh, there's going to be nudity in this film. Yeah. It's not a film about nudity. It's a film about scary monsters or something. Yeah. And that would be where that stuff was kind of like allowed to happen. Yeah. Hmm. I think that. That might say something about our culture. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just something inherent in, like, people I th <laughs> to be I think, scared. Yeah, well, I think there's there's something about wanting or needing um, permission as a group somehow. Like, that's a thing. Like, it's okay. Like, um, I recently read the 33 and a Third for um, the Andrew W.K. album, I Get Wet. <laughs> Uh, which is this like album that was notoriously panned when yeah. it first came out and has become kind of beloved over time. Yeah. So like Pitchfork gave it a zero I or something that. when yeah. it came out, and now they gave it like an eight out of ten or something. Uh, that know, often it, happens though. Yeah, like it's aging really yeah. well. Speed Racer is one of my favorite movies, and that has this weird thing where it was just destroyed when it came <laughs> out. Like critics gave themselves permission to just like hate it. Yeah. Like viciously hate it and now it's become this kind of thing there's a lot of people who really love it and appreciate yeah. all the weird things that it's, it's just doing a and... different kind of experience than pe what people expect yeah yeah uh and um uh i don't even remember where i was going with that um but yeah there's like a like a permission thing like you, like nobody wanted to like um that i get wet album when it came out because nobody could tell if it was ironic mm -hmm. or earnest 
or like trolling yeah or what like people didn't know what to make of it and they weren't like primed to know what to make of it no one yeah. told them and so they just sort of decided well i think we hate it <laughs> what do you guys think okay yeah i guess we hate it we hate yeah. it now. uh and then people sort of like built up a relationship with it over time and then it was like i don't think we hate this anymore i think this is actually kind of beautiful in its own weird way yeah um i think i i think uh art like that is tremendously valuable. Like, I think it's really important to kind of evoke a reaction like that in somebody. And I, I'm not saying that everyone should do that or that that's always like a yeah. thing that should happen, but I feel like somebody should do it. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I felt like my game did have that effect on people. Like if nothing else, like, and I, do, I try to imagine people learning to play go now. Yeah. Like handing them this thing and just going like, here, cope with impossible complexity. <laughs> Go. I, I had a, a a rule book of like, um, it was one of those like backgammon, like uh, checkers thing. And it also had like mm, a Go uh -huh. and it had the rules for Go and it took up like three quarters of the book. Yeah. <laughs> and even then it's like, and, and, and two thirds of that is devoted to just scoring. Yeah. When the game is complete and then a description of what that might be. Be interpreted as yeah. depending on which thousands of years history version of it that you're deciding to play um yeah but because it's established because it's a thing because the beauty has been previously recognized yeah it, it changes it kind of yeah so and i think it's the same way with you know visual art or music or or films or mm -mm. uh so uh uh, Zach Gage recently said something that I thought was kind of interesting, which was um, uh, he comes from an art background originally yeah. um, and sort of not complaining exactly, but sort of um, f feeling weird about the um, uh, like I, I want to call it like an art accessibility issue mm. where art is probably more accessible. There are less boundaries to it now. Yeah probably than um, there has been in a long time or maybe ever. And the appreciation for art or interest in art seems like it's kind of at an all time low. Also, yeah. like you can fill a museum full of stuff that a, a wide audience will have a reaction to and they just won't go. I think it's, I think it's about the context. Like, I think it's about the context that it's presented in. Like the thing with a gallery is it's a very kind of like just, it's a context, there's no movement there, there's no, like, meaningful interaction. And people are so used to being able to interact with things now. People are so used to interacting with things through their phones or their computers or whatever. And yeah. so just going into an art gallery and looking at images, it's like, oh, well, I can look at that on my, you know, on my computer and have, find, like, a high-resolution image, and it's not quite as good, but, right, you know. Right. And, like, I think that... I think it's the same way, and that's why I think games are tremendously uh, important and powerful because they do speak to sort of interacting with things through systems, and I think that's increasingly the way that people are are kind of uh, getting accustomed to interacting with things through. And like, right, right, they have that shared language kind of built in. And I think right I think it's like it's it's it can be tremendously empowering because um, that context kind of reflects a like you can't interact with the painting like you just have to look at it and admire this great work of art and like there's an appreciation for form and some stuff 
kind of a maybe appreciation for subtlety and stuff that maybe is missing in other forms, but but there is no like meaningful interaction that you can really have with it, like beyond uh, you know uh, just kind of looking at it. Yeah, it was like a I don't know what you could probably call it like an internal interaction. Like I've definitely had like a, yeah. like, like a series of varying reactions and growing understanding with a static work. Yeah. But like for practical purposes, that's different than manipulating the work and seeing how it responds in a direct physical way. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm maybe this is one of the reasons why I've always been more of a music person, uh, just because like in music, you can, play music and people will dance and like interact with the music. And, and that's always yeah. been a thing. Whereas like, I, I don't know, I view galleries as being very kind of emblematic of this kind of art tradition and art world that like has produced a lot of interesting things, but uh, is increasingly sort of failing to speak to people. Um, so it's kind of one way where like performance is definitely like a two way thing. Yeah. People don't think about that. I'm going to go see the thing and they're going to project Art yeah. at me but that's like that's two-way like performers change based on the audience's reaction like performance is adaptive usually right yeah and i mean more people are going to like show music shows there's than... film is still one way and it's huge but it's mostly yeah. about exploding robots so maybe yeah. it's yeah i mean and it's kind of like you're projecting into the characters to some degree even if you're not identifying with the characters you're interacting with them to some degree because yeah. you're kind of relating to them and as things happen and i don't know i think it's um there is a more, um, it, it, there's more active attention that you sort of have to pay at it. Um, and yeah. I, I think it's like a different sort of attention to pay to like, uh, pay to a painting. And I think it's important, like, and I think people should be able to just like sit and appreciate and kind of take it in and feel influenced. Yeah. And I, and I do kind of lament that our culture doesn't allow people to, you know, that we have to we have We were talking yesterday avenues. about wanting to build, um, really deliberately construct and present simul non-interactive simulations that are still emergent and systemic. Yeah. So a system that you don't poke, but you sit and watch a drama unfold. Um, and so it's that would be like way more a movie-style attention to a thing that is not a film. It's mm -hmm. some other, you know, emergent train wreck kind of thing. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, guess, I guess the thing that I wanted to say is just that, like, I think it's it's great that people are um, able to kind of make things more easily and share that as part of the culture, and that I feel like there's less of a pervasive attitude. I mean, there's still a pervasive attitude of... Um, no problem. There's less of a pervasive attitude of, like... Um, of um, oh goodness, I just forgot what I was saying. Um, uh, what was I talking about? Intrusions. No. Um. Oh 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 oh. A less of a pervasive attitude that there's a barrier between like the creator and the user. I still think it's there, and I still think it's reflective in a lot of mm. um, like you know, one thing that I was a, a community that I was a part of when I was younger. I felt like there were like there were definitely people built up things like if someone was like 
famous part of that community, like, and they, they were demonstrated that they were technically skilled, then they, they were put on a sort of higher tier because it's like, oh, I can't do this. And I don't, I don't really like that. I mean, I, there's yeah. a, there's a performance element of that, but I think like, that's not something well, there's that there's other, like a lot of things, these would be like, um, I mean, some of the biggest, like arguably the biggest commercial triple A game thing in the world right now is League of Legends. Yeah. League of Legends is based on a uh, Warcraft 3 mod yeah. that was not made by a game designer or a necessarily technically accomplished yeah. person or a person from a game design background. Like that's a that's non true. like that is a uh it's like it's a fan game in yeah. a way. You know, it's like it's a it's a reaction to a thing. Um but yeah, I think there's there is more interest in kind of making and sharing things as part of the culture and like regardless of what you can say about you know tumblr or soundcloud or twitter or whatever as as like tools for making and disseminating these things i Mm -hmm. think they're like tremendously flawed but like that is a thing that you can do now and like and i think that like that's tremendously powerful you don't need to like leave your house or whatever you know you don't need to be in the correct physical location at a a meeting yeah someone you don't have to presenting a leather bound portfolio of work i mean you don't have to move to new york to like be part of like you know or whatever or whatever you know like i and i and i mean there are still more resources with meeting and that's one of the biggest one big problem that i have is there it's still like it's kind of invisible where the the barriers that are there like you can you can make all these things but there are still these barriers between like meeting people in person is more prioritized and more people will recognize yeah. you and i directly experience that just from going to games events and things like that like i am visible therefore like have more access to things yeah because that's just the way that people work you know yeah totally totally uh so i'm curious about if um Earlier you were talking about uh, this kind of um, uh, digital art not uh, as an umbrella for a thing that happens to include video games and digital art not being uh, uh, able to sort of like kind of like being in a weird uh, limbo where there's sort of um, I think what is broadly understood uh, at least – um, by a lot of people as like the AAA game industry standard, you know, blockbuster kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, like uh, interactive digital installations yeah. that have something more to say. And then there's this kind of limbo in the middle, which sounds like kind of like a context problem. Kind yeah. of like this problem of trying to put still art in a gallery and have that be meaningful to people right now. Like what's the... Uh, I think What's that I, weird context? I often feel like people are interacting with the the image of like they're interacting with they they're enjoying the fact that they are participating in the culture like in the image of like being the image it enacting out the image of like an artist or someone who goes to galleries when they go to galleries you know it's mm-hmm. they're kind of enjoying the fact right. that they are there and being seen like not everyone of, of yeah, course I am, but there I are, am, uh, I, uh, someone of elevated taste yeah it is like a, it's oh, a yeah. status symbol i mean i was talking about this here about yeah. how like art and you know that are um, someone take a picture of me at this art gallery and exactly. so that everyone can understand how uh distinguished and uh uh, what's the word? 
that you were a person of impeccable taste. I don't know. Yeah. Uh... Um, so I want to read this from the... the uh, this is the zine of the talk that I did at Indicate East. This is a, a quote from an article. It was called The Bacon-Wrapped Economy that was talking about the the you know the economy in the bay area mm. um and art specifically funding arts and the problems with getting art funded in the bay area mm. says if the old conception of art and philanthropy was about essentially building a civilization about funding institutions without expecting anything in return simply because they present an inherent sometimes ineffable ineffable sometimes free market defying value to society present and future because they help us understand ourselves and our world in a way that can occasionally transcend popular opinion. The new one is for better or for worse about voting with your dollars. Yeah. Which, uh, there was, I remember there being a big thing recently about, um, uh, not even recently, just a a constant (laughs) sense of like, um, it's almost a sense of like, why bother with criticism? If you don't like a game, don't buy it. Yeah. But that is, like, that system isn't, like, like voting with your dollars is automatically voting for a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. Like, you there's are, a lot of baggage that comes you with are, that. You are uh, sponsoring art as, as an investment because you think that it will bring back some sort of measurable material gain. And it might not be directly measurable, but it has to be measurable. And that's the thing, I think, that's a result of, like, tech culture and, you know, more of a demand of, like, that we need to measure these things. We, we need to kind of aggregate yeah. them. And, Which isn't where tech culture came from, yeah. weirdly. Like, that's some kind of value it acquired at some point. Yeah. Like, it definitely, and most of those things have their roots in, like, what kind of weird crap can we do today? Yeah. It'd be, I, it'd be cool if blah. I think it comes with just trying to make business models out of different things that you can do on a computer, you know? Like, yeah. Like, w- we need to find a way to kind of, like, or at least <laughs> we need to think that we found a way to... Um, to like you know take take this in and like have it result in us making money so that we can continue to and people have demonstrated that they're not really willing to pay for an account in a lot of places like um i mean there are some exceptions but so the kind of model is like you access you access these things for free but um if there are certain users or whatever you know who are like um um, you know, more active or more, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's favoring the people who generate more income for the site. Right. So like, well, like, these things aren't always designed. Like there's sometimes they are, I think now yeah. they definitely are, but I feel like these things, uh, grew up, uh, kind of, uh, of their own volition or whatever. Like you would start with a thing that's like, well, let's, Let's always um, put quality – like so what, I, like what I'm always tempted to do or the way I'm always tempted to think about it is uh, – so we have this uh, thing that we're doing and the thing is interesting and the goal of the thing is to produce um, things that are somehow good. Mm-hmm. We have a, a process that produces cool things, whatever that is, um, or, or things that are good for people or are inherently interesting, whatever. Um but in order to continue this process, it must, as a side effect, produce, um, you know, housing and food and yeah. uh, and whatever. Uh, uh, it must produce some revenue. But that's our side effect. Our main mm-hmm. goal is to produce this good thing, and that has such a uh, 
those things are so inclined to flip. Yeah. And to, of their own accord. Yeah. Like their natural inclination is to well, go like, that's, well, cause that's let's the... make sure that it's always producing money yeah. as a primary I thing. I mean, that's, that's what our, our society, our culture is, is directed towards that, that, that ends. And like you, there's no real, um, there's no real consequences for making more money. Like, <laughs> right. like if, if you want, you will have a better life if you have more money, like essentially. And so like, if you're making a business and you want to, you know, make money off of doing something, then like having, maintaining that business, you are certainly pressured to do it in a way that will make well, more and, money. And the easiest way to, we're probably like too far off course, but it's totally fine. <laughs> That's fine. I was, the, like the easiest, like, cause this is game design in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, cause a game designer, no, you can't help, but like sort of like, I mean, it's a, everything looks like a nail to a hammer thing, but like. If you build a thing and you say the best way to earn points is to start with more points. <laughs> like as a game designer, you're looking at it, you're like, that's crap. Yeah. Like I'm like, I mean, that's interesting. Like that would be an interesting art project is yeah. to build this kind of disastrous feedback loop and present it to people and be like, look at this weird thing that happens. If you do this and you set this like this, it's going to produce unpredictably and uh, uh, like uh, exponentially yeah. disastrous results, and that's a, that's a cool thing that this does. We should know <laughs> that and think about it. But that's like the underpinning. That's like yeah. the basic assumption. The basic rule is: as you accrue more, your rate of accrual will increase. Which is like again, like as a game designer, it's like they should patch that shit. <laughs> that's well, like that's not. It's 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 the culture. That's going to be a problem in a competitive environment. Well, yeah, you wouldn't I, build a multiplayer game that way. No one would play. I mean, the, the that's the thing. Like, um, in in this sort of like cultural environment, like uh, the 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 kind of the way that capitalism and our sort of system has developed, it's developed in this way because it produces a very predictably uh, measurable outcome. And there are all these measurable outcomes where you can say, like, okay, well, we can make a business off of this, and we know that we can make money by controlling this. And so the, the kind of obsession with having measurable outcomes means that we don't regard, like, the potential, like, non-short-term effects, like environmental catastrophe, things like that, which are less easy to measure and and less, you know... And we become so convinced in the, like, superiority and validity of the system that um, we kind of lose sight of being able to see yeah. outside and, the, and, and how it actually... It's aggressively reductionist, I think, is, like, one of these weird properties of it. And it like, it, it bothers me in architecture where if you are... Um, you're building something that people are supposed to be in, there are... Uh, a bunch of for better or for worse rules about how to make people feel not uncomfortable in yeah. space. We know a lot of things about that. Like people have been building stuff for a long time. And that's we know a lot of things about what makes people comfortable, what makes them uncomfortable. That's definitely game design too. Totally, totally. Yeah. We know a lot about these things and yet we build uh deliberately build lots of things that make people very uncomfortable and yeah. they're not supposed to make people uncomfortable. Exactly. But it saved somebody like 4% gross <laughs> or something, right? Like they saved a little bit of money and um, 
And that's a positive feedback loop for them. So they will kind of always, there's no reason to not prioritize the acquisition of this one multiplicative resource at the cost of this un, like genuinely unmeasurable and yet not subjective quality yeah. of people are unhappy when they're here. Yeah. This room. They're unhappy with not, fluorescent like, lights. <laughs> yeah. We, like, I mean, this that's, room that's full been of fluorescent lights. Yeah. Yeah. I, this well, room looked like a haunted room when yeah. we came in. Yeah, I had to change the lighting <laughs> configuration to to my preference. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say about like the the thing with like this kind of like religious faith uh, devotion in systems and measurable outcomes is it produces like um, I, I think that well, first of all I think that games are tremendously like good if not better than anything else at, at addressing this because like you are interacting with systems in games directly like you are. Mm-hmm. You are building a system and, and, and the thing, and even more so than like, uh, something that people have to use a lot because in a game you can enter in and say like, okay, this system doesn't have to like this, like building doesn't have to like stay up, you know, for very long. You can can go in and get what you get out of it and then come back out. And so it's, you don't have the same burden that you have with like trying to make like a, you know, social network or something like that, where it's like, you know, we have to hmm. guide people a certain way, but then there's this certain like usability problems and we need to do all this stuff and we need to constantly maintain it. And that's a tremendously difficult thing to do. I think it's like doable, but I think that like things like games help us creatively sort of envision how we can interact with these systems and how we can change our relationship with these systems in a safe space where we don't have to build these structures that like hmm. stay up. And, um, yeah. and like, I think the, um, there have been a, a lot of, or I've seen a fair number of things that kind of address, um, this like systemic way of thinking, um, not accounting for the, the kind of human reality outside of it. Like I, I think the, the, the classic sort of example that I always think of is, uh, Brenda Romero made that game train, which is like, you know, just instructing people to move these like, you know, little figures onto this train and like transport them. I, I don't and min max it. The idea yeah. is like it's presented. Here's a train car. Here's little people. Uh, what's the most effective way to fit as many people into a classic video game yeah. puzzle. And then and then Min-max they find this thing. And then they eventually find out that, you know, this is a game about the Holocaust and they're they're guiding people to their deaths. And of course, like um, from what I've heard, you know, other people criticize that it's not necessarily conveyed in a very smooth way and, and things like that. But I think that the game is aggressing or er, addressing the very like fundamental conflict between systems and how they kind of perpetuate like these kind of suffering and all these other things through this kind of obsession with um, the the kind of harmony of the system. Yeah, I think official. It's this idea of uh, 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 I feel like so much of there's a lot of game like activities and a lot of. Um, Things that I think are, you know, easily considered games right now and systems that you push on and that push back um, that are about um, efficiency. Mm-hmm. Organize this, sort these things, do this faster, do this as fast as you can, like shave off a little bit of time here, um, you know, uh, get slightly better at those video ball controls, <laughs> you, like get get a like like competition is about. Um, tiny edges, you know, oh, I figured out how to take, like, how to do this, like, slightly, slightly better. Oh, I can skip this step and we can do this. Yeah. Um, 
and you feel really good because you're learning and stuff. But um, like efficiency itself is amoral. Yeah. Like that's not necessarily like I think like um, a thing of capitalism is the. Oh, we are. I guess we're. <laughs> this is probably which way too. Whatever. That's like the, the moral prerogative of efficiency is like a thing in capital. Like like, yeah. like efficiency is moral mm-hmm. in capitalism, and that's so obviously flies in the like. This is a classic like American dualism like double narrative thing yeah. of like we are like we are going to simultaneously champion. Uh, an emotional view of ourselves that is in complete conflict with the actual systemic values yeah. that we're going to champion. We're going to do it simultaneously. We are good, righteous, and moral, and the main things we value are like efficiency and um, various forms of obfuscated slavery or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like those things are in con- like that would be a li- that's a little narrative dissonance, yeah. right? On well, some level, I think that I think that we should account for this problem in the actual systems like we shouldn't build systems that value this kind of efficiency if we want to communicate that it's not necessarily valued and there are subtle ways to do that i think like a lot of people struggle with it and i think that some people have struggled so much with it that like they're inclined to say like oh okay games are these systems and they're built to be these perfect systems and we can't really sort of account for the outside, you know, the human element without just like ruining the the purity of that system. And I think that's false. Like I think I've seen games yeah. that do that, but a lot of people accept that. And the, the thing with like games not only have the the systems element, but they have the visual and, you know, audio and and the text and those are all things that are that are much better are that are good at conveying a sort of feeling. Yeah, there's and, nuance and subtlety and uh, establishing a broader context for whatever is happening systemically or whatever. Yeah, and they can evoke a feeling in somebody that is very strong and very powerful, and it doesn't matter that it's not, like, you're not looking at a human on screen, like, in film or whatever, because, like, animated films people connect with, you know. Oh, yeah, often better. Yeah. Like, the power of abstraction iconography, right? That's what the name of my talk oh. is called, The Power of the Abstract. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think that um, I, I think that the, the tools are there and we should we should definitely try and account for these things and and kind of engage in that discussion. And I th- yeah. and I think and I don't see a lot of it. I, I see a lot. Of, I see some of it on the periphery, but I don't see a lot of it um, because I think that like. Well, partly it's it's just that it's hard and people don't know how to do it, and partly because there's a lot of like cultural and social pressures towards making certain kinds of things. And yeah, um, I would say this is like I don't. Uh, so our our current big project is like absolutely a commercial project. Yeah. And, um, what we've been trying one of the one of the design experiments that we're doing on it because it's like. Um, there's a lot of things in it, like I said, like we have a really slick UI now, so we're following that rule. But one mm-hmm. of the rules that we wanted to fiddle with is it's a game that has some um, similarities to roguelike exploratory procedurally generated games, but um, we um, put a bunch of work into getting rid of like an RPG style uh clear the dungeon, pick up the loot, advance. Yeah. Because um, I think like... Uh, like clear loot advance has a bunch of weird values in it for sure. Yeah. Um, and they, they weren't even, uh, 
the design changes that we made were not at all driven by uh, like moral considerations. Yeah. They were just at odds with the story and the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like uh, like uh, clear loot advance is like a power narrative. Yeah, and it, that was weird for yeah. our game. And that's been a tension. This game has this tension because there's making any kind of um, commercial game that doesn't have a power narrative right yeah. now is really really weird. Definitely. Um, some people are doing it. Like I think 80 Days mostly did it. It's kind of interesting at least. It's kind I of, need to play more. It's it's playing around with it. It's doing it if it's a power narrative, it's doing it in a really non-traditional way, which mm. is which is really fun and interesting. Um and uh but yeah, it was really strange. Was, so we like we built a there's a core loop that is very different from from it, but I haven't gotten as far as figuring out what is implied by this new thing? Yeah. Like, I know that it is incentivizing systemic behavior that is interesting yeah. because it's a little different. Yeah. But I don't actually know what it represents or what's, like, encoded in it right now. I It's it's hard to see, and I think that, like, I don't know. I think it's, like with anything, it's it's important to be as, like, kind of clear-headed as, as things as you can and, yeah. like, be able to kind of look outside how somebody else might interact with this who has absolutely no awareness of it and how yeah. they might, you know, interact with every element. Um, and I, I think that kind of outside awareness is really important. And that's something that's like really lacking in game culture. And I think that's another one of the big problems is that people get into games without really having got into any other things like, and, and, you know, that's why I think games kind of encourage in a way they're like, yeah. oh, download me. I have 5,000 quests. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this, you could just do this forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, um, um, like, uh, that a one reviews blog that, uh, uh the Catamites did. Um, oh. it, there was a, a phrase that was like, uh, 50 hours of gameplay is a threat rather than a promise. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And there are people who consider 50 a bad deal. That would yeah. be a bad exchange of resources. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I liked that, though. I, I, I still think <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's it's hard. It's difficult. I think it's something, discussions that we should be having. I don't really know that they're happening necessarily inside GDC for the most part. Cause it's I don't like, know. Like, I, I definitely know designers who... Um, I feel like f- uh, for myself, definitely for other um, people who are doing interesting high profile work, yeah. I, I think there is this um, there's an interest and attention between getting from um, I think earlier you're talking about sort of like just making a thing, but it's not meeting its goals. Mm-hmm. Step two, making a thing that's meeting its goals, but you're not considering the things that are encoded in it. And step three, making a thing that's meeting its goals and the things that are encoded in it are intentional. Yeah. They're on purpose. And um, there's a lot of people that are like in between steps two and three yeah. and are really um, – uh, I think the tension is that they're so relieved – at managing step two. Yeah. Cause it's so hard and, uh, and they really want to get it up to level three Yeah, and like making that jump and making that transition is often, um, uh, unaffordable because it yeah. takes time and they're trying to do these high profile things that have all these other weird baggage that's coming along with them. Uh, but also like, um, you know, it took so long to get from step one to step two. Yeah. It, you know, it took, 
I'm, I think it takes a lot of people five or ten years or something. Yeah. It's like it's a, I, it's a crafty discipline or whatever. I don't necessarily think you have to go along them linearly. Like I think a thing that yeah, um, very true. Like I think a thing that is interesting and that very clearly reflects ideals through its design, but maybe isn't completely smooth in one or two way. You know, some ways is completely valuable. And I play a lot of free games that are sort of like that that have had yeah. uh, a really clear, a really valuable sort of impact on me. Um, and more so than uh, the commercial games where that are kind of not all, you know, there, there's some commercial games that I've gotten very, very in, into, but like, um, I think like it's valuable to make something that's kind of broken, but like communicating. I feel like Papers, Please is pretty well considered as a thing. They're like, here's, mm-hmm. here's a thing. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't have 3d thingies or whatever, yeah. but like there's a game here and the game mechanics kind of imply something and I've thought about what that is, and yeah. it's on purpose, and all of these pieces fit together. Yeah. Uh, it definitely happens, but... Yeah. Um, like, those are considered, like, I think, the other, you know, I guess it says something, like, I can think of a handful of quote-unquote commercial games that are considered, mm-hmm. that could attain that sort of status of, this was a considered thing. Yeah. And most of the parts of it were th- fully thought out and are in there on purpose. Yeah. That's a very short list right now. Like right now, if a commercial project does that, it joins this like tiny circle of games and it wins lots of trophies (laughs) and all of those things. Definitely. I mean, we know that those things exist because they exist. Yeah. It's (laughs) doable. We know that they can exist. Yeah. And it probably should. Yeah. I I think so. I, I, I think it's like, um, I don't necessarily, think it's it has to be as as difficult i think there are there are steps that we take in order in you know interacting with in design that are maybe not necessary like maybe we don't need to have like these parts of a game in a game in order to actually have it communicate something and you could take it out and like i mean um a friend was showing me his card game earlier and like it had like all this like color-coded stuff and you you know it had like more complicated systems and he just took it all out and made it into kind of a straight party game where you just play a card and it tells you to do something Mm -hmm. and that made the game better and that often is the case like stripping down the systems and you can make things tremendous that are tremendously complex within that but i think like it's very difficult and there there needs to be more of a, a sensitivity to it. Um, definitely. Yeah. There's an interesting, another one of the IGF games this year is, uh, pry. Yeah. Yeah. Is that in the narrative? I think so. Okay. Yeah. And I play, I played that. Like yeah. on iTunes, if you go to on iTunes, it's not even a, it's not a game. Oh, it's listed as a book. Oh, that's funny. Like an electronic book or something like that. It like kind of is like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, um, uh, I played it on an airplane somewhere, and it was like uh, uh, it it was extremely impactful. And it is it's definitely a narrative game, and it does not have um, uh, you know. Hit there points. are very limited interactions, but they definitely yeah, affect. But they're really meaningful. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. a part later in the story where. Um, They've essentially, like, I don't know if this is a spoiler or something, but there's a point where they've taken, um, I I don't know, like 30 pages of a book or something, and they've accordioned it all together. (laughs) 
um, and you do this kind of like spread motion yeah, with your fingers. You have to do that to read it. To spread it out, and you're you're unfolding it a little bit at a time and uh-huh. looking for places where there are seams. But you have to you have to unfold like a hundred times. That's crazy. It just keeps stretching out and going deeper and diving like deeper into what looked like a surface concern was like this spiraling, multiple spiraling rabbit holes of overlapping uh, uh, problems. Um, and, uh, so yeah, just this one, this like, like single specific mechanic, uh, which is like very obviously a systemic thing. You're like, you're picking up this physical motion and translating it to a thing in the game and all it's doing is showing you words, but the way in which it's doing that, um, ends up, um, hitting you really, really hard. Yeah. There, there were some cool stuff in that game. Definitely. I, I was, um, I, I played it in it East. Um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's. Um, but yeah, it's, I feel like it's a thing. Like to me, it's like it's obviously a game. I'm interacting with this thing, and yeah. the way in which I'm interacting with it is changing the way that I feel. And there are like, like there's like film in that too, where, yeah. where you open your eyes and you see a person in front. Yeah, of Yeah, it's not really a book or a movie or a game. Yeah. in the, any of the ways that those things are traditionally considered, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, is it's it's interactive and it's um, and it's pretty powerful. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I yeah, think... no HP, no <laughs> inventory system. There were a lot of games that were made that were kind of like that too in the past, like you know, more when like video was a thing. I mean, not mm. not as smoothly, but you know, yeah. like trying those ideas out. Like that's always yeah. been part of like game culture, and it's it's good that it's coming back. I I I, I think like one of the things that I'm talking about in my talk is just that this game culture has formed around very certain things and um there's all this stuff that exists and but there's a very like narrow image of what it actually is because of like that the marketing of those things being so effective like just and like nintendo being so like good at yeah we always try to figure out so there's um there's an interactive fiction game that's very short that i really really love called the warbler's nest um, and the Warbler's Nest, uh, one of the many reasons that I really like, I don't think it's a particularly revolutionary interactive fiction game, but it is a short form thing that ends with an A-B choice. Um, it presents you with an interactive moment. You can do A or you can do B. And the choice itself, the A and the B, um, at that point in the game, those are the only things you can do. Is You can, you can do this, this thing over here or this thing over here, and mm-hmm. both are so abhorrent. The choice itself is so awful that, um, and I know I'm not the only one that did this, I just stopped playing. <laughs> just turned it off. Yeah. Um, which was sort of this weird third choice that isn't <laughs> usually something that's particularly meaningful in a game. Yeah. It was just like, nope, <laughs> not doing that, I'm done. It took, me to this, it took me to this place and it took me there very artfully, and now I need to go. <laughs> uh, that's a valid choice. I think it's valid to... Say like you know if if you don't want to interact with the systems yeah. you shouldn't have to. I think like I like experiences that are closed and or experiences that you can get something very meaningful out of having a tiny amount of interaction with. And yeah, this know. is like ten twenty minutes or something, and I'm like, oh, it's a and it's very almost traditionally interactive fiction at first, and you kind of go around and you get a couple of items. You have an inventory. I don't think you have hit points. You don't really score any points or anything, and then suddenly you're just confronted with this horrible thing. And it's like, I'm... And it's the A or B, like, if the game 
just gave you one choice. I don't think it would work the same. Like there yeah. was like there was a there's a deliberate design decision there. It's okay. like if I give you an A or B, that's different from mm-hmm. if it's like press A to continue. Um, uh, you know, do one of the horrible things. There's something worse about saying like because that's the game deciding for you. Yeah. And when exactly. the game gives you an A B, suddenly it's like your turn. <laughs> Where next? Uh, and even yeah, even though there's no hit points or other gamey things, uh, like there was there was this big system like systemic give and take suddenly, uh, which is um, I don't know. It's something I think about a lot. Yeah, that is interesting. Can I talk about a little bit the the design of problematic? Because I don't know how much time we have. Left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, this is the problem with tangential. Yeah. Interviews. No, it's okay. It's interesting. <laughs> it, all it, over the place. it is covering like some of the stuff that I was you know covering in in my in my talk that was at Indicati. So it's relevant, directly relevant to me cool. right now. Good. Good. Um, but uh, so problematic is like um, a kind of a, just a game that I started. Um, it's like a Ludum Dara game, and, you know, it was actually my first, like... Well, not not really my first, because I did make, like, mods, and I made, um, like, you know, some a few, like, Twine games and, like, click-and-play things and stuff like that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, like, I was, like, intentionally choosing very abstract visuals be, just because of limitations, and I kind of made this thing, and I didn't really know what it was, and I was like, meh... And then I decided, like, um, there's a Michael Bro game that's called, uh, there's one called um, Game Title, and then there's one called Game Title Lost Levels um, that, like, takes advantage of a bug in the first game. <laughs> and so, like, I decided to make this game kind of take advantage of the fact that the game is kind of broken. Um, and, like, and and I think in the, in the end I realized that it, it spoke to the the beginning and interacted, you know, with the beginning of the game a lot better than than I could have anticipated. And I and I broke it even a little bit more at the beginning, just so that it like just like little things, mm-hmm. just so that it would like or let you know left some stuff in that I was actually intending to change, right. just so that it could communicate something. You know, when you get later into the game, yeah, and you know you can just go through walls and like in negative space. And, uh, that's not like uh, the mechanic that really solves everything, but it, it, it kind of like maybe, a um, I don't, I mean, I don't want to go too much into the themes, but maybe it's kind of like, um, it's allowing you to, um, uh, interact with the space in a way that you never thought about and, um, have exert some sort of control where the rules are like, have just closed up on you and you can't, go the same way that you've always gone there the 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 way that you approach reality has to be different now Hmm. um and um and and i think that like that one of the frustrating things has been like that this game has been very personal and it has been like you know i sensibly like part of like sort of queer video game circle and with a lot of games that are very intentionally about queer themes and, you know, explicitly about that. And this game is kind of weird because it doesn't like advertise that it's about any of these things. And I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted it to be kind of more universal, but I, I really think that it is and it's kind of hard, but in a way that's kind of hard to, you know, convey or whatever. Um, and in, in a way that I think is not just like um, that speaks to sort of design of of like platforming games and things like that that I um, hopefully sincerely 
but like um i don't know i think that like um it started out with just like wanting to have in- interesting interactions with systems and having a very but like very simply because i didn't know how to do that much honestly and like um and that's not that's more like not part of it is like my lack of technical ability but also lack of knowing just what to what i could actually do in that program yeah um and um and yeah i think like um um a lot of games like uh they kind of you know purport to be one thing and then they are that thing and like a lot of puzzle games are like okay you have this mechanic and you can do it now and now now you have control over this thing and like it's kind of predictable and it can be like recreated in this way and it's it's kind of elegant or whatever and mm-hmm. and and this game is not that at all it's um it's kind of using some of that language but trying to um subvert some of that also by you know and because there is sort of an implied worldview in the idea that you can always like just like uh, observe a thing from afar and that there's always like a universal pattern there and that's kind of a scientific or mathematical worldview and one that like goes again to measurable outcomes and systems um but in a world you know where you're presented with things where the systems don't actually make that much sense or they make sense only like in a weird intuitive way then you have to find a different way to proceed and i think that's kind of reflective of my experience in life you know having kind of uh um dealt with transitioning and um uh, parental abuse and things like that where um the kind of there was a point in my life where the way forward like had to be completely different or otherwise I was not going to go forward. Like, and I had to find a new way of like looking at myself and my situation in order to have any kind of like optimism about it. And I think that that is like, um, like I said, like, um, I, I don't know, like how well I conveyed that or, and I, I mean like, um, it's it's hard because it's it's like the abstraction i think really helps that game and i don't think i would have really ever changed it like i think it works the way that it is and i'm like proud of like 90 percent, 95 percent of the there are like a few things that are still like like look at and i'm like i should have changed that and stuff <laughs> like that but it's like it's it's hard to say that because it like looks like very messy on the surface and it, it 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 is in one way but it's also like the messiness is kind of like reflective of the the theme that was intentional and i I think that's one thing that um uh people have a hard time kind of distinguishing um and another thing i'm talking about in my talk that like uh it doesn't really matter how something looks or or feels in in one way um if it is actually it, it matters how it like kind of reflects what you're actually trying to convey um and um I think that like, so something that can look tremendously messy can be tremendously like refined and polished in another way. Um, and I, I think like, I, I think I could have done a little bit better in some ways, but like, but there's a, but I at least feel like there's a lot to that experience. Um, so maybe things that we don't traditionally, uh, things that we would not traditionally associate with polish are there ex- extremely deliberately to support uh 
uh, not a message, but like a set of experiences or emotions. Yeah, and it's it's harder to measure that, of course. Like you kind of have to be sensitive to it, and you kind of have to go through and like reach your own conclusion about it, and say yeah. like, oh, this feels like this reflected the feeling that I have. I don't think it's completely subjective at all, but like um, that's something that is you can't just like look at on the surface and be like, okay. And you know, if you don't know what the author is trying to do, like you have no idea if it's actually intentional or not until you, you get further on. So you have to kind of take a shot and you have to just take a leap of faith. And I, f- I feel like that's sort of what I did with become a great artist to using it is just taking a leap of faith and saying like, okay, I know that there's something there to this system. Like, I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but like, I, I know if I mess with it, like they'll, I could probably do things that I couldn't do. Like, before and then i the more that i messed with it the more that i realized okay you can actually create like a lot of things in this system but it not, wasn't necessarily apparent to me at all that you could do any of this stuff and i think that that like i i think that that's really powerful because anyone who does kind of step into that zone um is going to have a much more kind of meaningful experience not knowing any of these things it's like this the scarier something is the 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 almost the better it is when it actually something like you Mm. have a meaningful experience with it Mm. um and i think that like that's important um and it's 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 hard to ask for that for people i think more people should be willing to do that because i think that like it's a very important um it's very important for us to like defamiliarize our relationship with our environment and our world because there are a lot of problems, societal problems, a lot of things that are happening in a world like environmentally um, that mean that we have to sort of go into like a scary mode of thinking and say like, we need to, we need to make a radical change. And I don't know, and I need to jump into this thing, not knowing what is going to come out of it. It could be good or bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but like, and I think people often envision that as like apocalypse scenarios where it's like, well, what we, all of what we know is falling apart and, th- and that's true, but it's like, we can ma- like, it might actually be only a subtle shift to change our familiarity with this thing or change the way that a system works, even if it seems incredibly scary because there are all these structures that are kind of built in place to make us uh, feel more comfortable or feel like, you know, and, and I think that like, I think people should be more willing to um there should be more of an openness to people um challenging themselves um through kind of entering into these experiences and like i said i think you can kind of communicate intentionally that there's more there but i think that like as like systems literacy and things like that increase um the more that you can kind of expect that someone's going to come into this and have a good experience. And, um, you know, do you want to value like 10 or 15 or 20 players coming in and having this like tremendously really meaningful experience? Or do you want to value like 500, 1000, 2000 people coming in and having like a kind of a cool, meaningful experience, you know, pretty meaningful experience, but like Mm -hmm. they kind of also know what to expect. And I mean, it, 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 it's completely like, you know, I, I don't think that there's any easy answer there. And I don't know that like, 
I'm not sure if I want to make another game that's like you know only going to have a certain number of people who actually want to play it or not. It's it's hard. Yeah, I think there are things that um, you know. On the one hand, like I totally i I want to fully embrace the idea that um, that something can be impactful or have a wide audience mm-hmm. as somehow a false dichotomy. But it seems like there are. Um, uh, maybe this is ironic, but there is an there is an efficiency to communicating the uh, idea to a smaller group of people. Yeah, there's a not having to, um, you know, put it through. Take something that's very complex and prepare it in a way mm-hmm. that it can be digested by a wider group of people yeah. is a, a process in and of itself that sometimes changes the thing that you're trying to say, often yeah. changes the thing you're trying yeah. to say. Like shepherding that thing through that process is such a huge challenge that uh, if the choice is, you know, make this enormous commitment to shepherding an idea into a process that might you know, taking a thing, an idea that you are close to and putting it into a process that might destroy it. Yeah. Um, and that would be an, an enormous commitment as opposed to taking the idea, preparing it in a way that will um, reach uh, some people. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know, like coming into it from a making music perspective or like, you know, I mean, obviously there are elements of that or visual art perspective or whatever. Obviously there are elements of like, okay, this is like more and less accessible, but there's more of an accepted, like, I'm just going to make whatever I feel like, whatever I'm feeling right now. And what comes out is going to, you know, have that like, um, you know, and that's, and that's valid. And that's, and that's completely like what I should be doing. And uh, with, with things like games, it's often just not accepted. And I think that's like one of the, the problems of our culture right now is, you know, that there's all these like ways to disseminate your art, but there's all this like pressure, like, okay, I have to fit into that genre or do this thing. Otherwise I'm not going to get noticed. And like playing that game is so exhausting and so difficult and something I've really struggled with. And I think more people should just be willing to say like, Hey, I'm not going to play this game. This game is broken. Like, I'm going to make what I want to make and like that. And like, you're either going to like it or you're not going to like it, but it's going to be me. And there's nothing that you can do to take that away from me. And like, um, and I think that more people should be willing to stand. should, I think more people should stand up and do that. But in order to do that, you know, you need to, you need to say that like, you need to not have faith that the system is going to answer or is going to solve like that you're disseminating things and is going to solve this like problem or this dilemma, you have to take it into your own hands and say like, this is what I want. And, um, I don't care like what comes out as long as it's something that I wanted to make. And it's, it's, it's really hard to do that. And something that I've struggled with. Like when you almost have to like, what's the other, like if you want to say, cause the other option is I'm going to produce things that are, um, you know, completely at odds with, uh, you know, uh, the uh, remaining existing mainstream, whatever. I'm going to yeah. make something like that is outside of that. And then 
hope that this other thing that is insular and self-contained somehow validates this thing that's outside of it anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, like I, I think there is stuff that I've seen that is kind of uh, ostensibly on the surface accessible and then also, but then also really tremendously like weird and, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, like Paul Verhoeven, the director, like yeah, he makes stuff yeah. that's like, that's very much like I just watched the movie Showgirls, like, you know, and that's a cheesy B movie kind of on the surface, but there's yeah. all this other stuff going on. Robocop's a Robocop masterpiece is, yeah. comedy. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, that movie is so bizarre and it, yet it is on the surface also an action film. Like, yeah, well, and, and, and it was interpreted as such. Yeah. Like, there were action movie sequels made to what is like just, I mean, maybe the, dis- like, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to compare it to Dr. Strangelove. That's fine. Like <laughs> that's where I'm going with it. Like it's to me, it's that it's operating. And I don't know if, I don't know if he knew that. Yeah. Like that's what I'm, that's like, that's going to be the I, thing I'm going to be curious about for my whole life. I, his, know? I know, I know that his like, wife was the one who like at, convinced him to make a lot of the movies that he made he was like this sounds huh. like a cornball like awful movie his <laughs> wife was like no i think you should do something yeah. like this and he was like she was right um but no i i think like that is like it's almost disinterested i mean it's speaking to this trend in a way but it's almost disinterested it's coming from a completely different angle and i think mm-hmm. like i think like david lynch or somebody like that is is also somebody who does that where it's like completely defamiliarized but it's speaking to the culture and i think yeah. that kind of work is like tremendously valuable to me more so than almost anything else and it's 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 very hard to just say to just go off on your own island and do that but i think like the people who have have had a enormous impact on cult on culture yeah and in a way that like you know people who ha- who have been trying to kind of navigate and speak to the culture have not and like it's 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 really hard to measure how much impact like David Lynch's movies or whatever yeah. have had like so culturally. His um, we should we I think we got to wrap it up. Yeah, I think they're going to kick us out. But I wanted to wrap it up with uh, uh, at the end of season three of Louis, like mm. the Louis C.K. show. Yeah. Um, David Lynch has yeah. a cameo. I saw that cameo. It's amazing, right? <laughs> um, and at the very end, the last thing he says on the show is he gives Louis these three tips for how to succeed in show business. Mm-hmm. And in perfect David Lynchian way, rule number one, he says, is uh, speak from the heart, mm. which I think is good. Mm. Uh, I feel like that's. I think that I think that's what makes that stuff work mm-hmm. to be to be outside of it. It's completely have, sincere. Yeah, absolutely sincere. It's not artifice. It's not gimmick. It's and even Paul new. Verhoeven's movies, when they're satirical, are sincere. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, thank you so much. This was fantastic. No problem. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm.